0: You are listening to the weekly podcast from Journey Christian Church. For more information about Journey, please check out our website at journeychristian.com. We are a community of fully devoted disciples of Jesus who reach out to love our neighbors, serve the hurting, and develop leaders for ministry. Four years ago, my 90-year-old father-in-law moved in to my home with me and my wife uh, following the passing of his wife, my mother-in-law. He moved in. He's 94 now, so he's been kind of back and forth for the last four years. And when he moved in, originally, he brought with him these three odd rectangular metal boxes. Now, I had been to his home hundreds of times, but I had never seen these metal boxes. And so I asked him, I said, what what do these boxes contain? He said, you'll never guess, so let me show you. And he carefully unlatched them, opened them up, and to my great surprise, they were filled with these old Kodak film slides. You know what I'm talking about? The kind you have to use with the carousel? They were all from the 1950s and 60s, and he hadn't seen them in like 40, 50 years. And so, but he brought them with him, and um, precious memories all captured years ago, birthdays, vacation trips, weddings, holidays, you name it. And so these boxes were stored for four years in a closet in my house, just like they'd put up there, like forgotten, until two weeks ago, when my wife and I painstakingly digitized 600 slides, right? So, we we did the whole shebang, right? So for the first time in like 40 years, we got him together, you know, we have going to have this moment in our home and um, it was time to take a trip down memory lane. And I want to say, he actually loved it. It, He took time and it took a while, but it took time and he pondered each picture and he kind of, you could tell in his mind, he was kind of putting himself back into that moment the best he could, reliving uh, those experiences and it was in every way, really, a joyful experience just watching him reflect on those, those times. But it was also, to be honest with you, it was also a heart-wrenching one because most of the people in those pictures are gone. Most of the people have passed away. And the, and, and the inevitability, the reality, I should say, of death and distance and loss even at age 94, hit him pretty hard. And all those years had passed, and there was still some sadness. There was some, it was real, and it was, it was raw there in some ways. And I got to thinking about that moment, and I thought, some of you here are experiencing similar emotions this Christmas as you face your first Christmas without someone you love. That's the reality in this room. There are people in this room who perhaps are facing your very first holiday season without someone, a certain someone, by your side for whatever reason. You open up that box of ornaments and you begin to decorate the tree and then you stand frozen because you see a handmade wreath of your your child's picture on it. You don't know what to do or you see an engraved ornament that says, Our First Christmas or a stocking with a name stitched on it. And the memories and the emotions flood your heart and your mind, and you ask yourself this question, how will I make it to January? That's a legitimate question that a lot of people are asking this time of year. And I want to acknowledge those of you who are hurting this Christmas, because there are many of you. Whether it's from a death, a divorce, a job loss, a serious illness, some family trauma, or maybe someone you love just moving far away, there is a sense Of loss and pain this holiday season. I did a quick Google search this week to see how painful Christmas really is. I Googled this phrase, I feel sad this Christmas, and it returned 207 million search results. That just goes to show you that this is a pervasive feeling that people have even in the holidays. They feel sad. They feel lonely. They feel lost. They they feel hurt. Here's an inescapable fact. All of us have had or will have a first Christmas without a certain loved one by our side. Let me say that again. All of us have had or will have that first Christmas with some certain loved one no longer at our side. And when I'm feeling the weight of sadness, there's a verse from the Bible that gives me a a ray, a, a glimmer of hope. Here's that verse. Weeping may stay for the night, but joy comes with the morning. Weeping may stay for the night, and the next night, and the next night, and the next one. That's not news to us. We know that to be the case. But this might be news to us. Joy comes with the morning. Joy comes with the morning. God knows your pain. He sees your tears. And in spite of how you may feel this Christmas, He does have a plan to restore joy back into your life. Maybe not tomorrow. Maybe not the next day. Maybe not next month. Maybe a while. But he does have a plan to restore your joy. And it might not come as quickly as you hope, but it will come. That's God's promise, by the way, to you. It will come. This verse is a promise. It will come. Just as God kept his promise of a newborn king being born, All those prophecies in the Old Testament ultimately found their fulfillment on the day Jesus was born. God kept his promise to us in that way, but he he will also keep his promise to us in terms of joy in the morning. There are families here in this church who have wept a river this past year. And I want you to know, if that's you, there is a day coming When the scriptures say, Jesus will wipe away every tear and there will no longer be any death. There will no longer be any mourning or crying or pain. Man, do we look forward to that day. Wow. Can you imagine? Others of you, because of some other circumstance in life. Maybe it's distance that you have from a relative this Christmas, or maybe it's a recent separation or divorce. You've given up all hope that you can never be happy again. Life is just taking a turn, and you're like, it's just not possible. There's a verse for you as well, Romans chapter 15. May the God of hope fill you with all joy, it says, and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. See, there is hope all around us. And sometimes we have blinders on and we have trouble seeing that hope and peace and comfort and goodness and rest are available to us through our Heavenly Father. Maybe you're feeling numb this Christmas and you're just kind of going through the motions. There are a lot of people that just, well, it's the Christmas season. I just got to do what I got to do. And you're going through the motions. But everything inside you and everyone around you is saying, get out, get angry, get drunk, get high, do whatever you need to do. Don't listen to those voices. Instead, like the shepherds, make your way, run to the manger. Fall on your knees before Jesus because he's the only source of true peace this Christmas. I want you to know. How do I know that? Because of this one verse right here. Do not be afraid, the angel said. That's something we all need to hear because quite frankly, a lot of us make our way through this life afraid. He says, do not be afraid, I bring you good news with, that will cause great joy for all people. That includes us. Today in this town of David, that's Bethlehem, a savior has been born to you and he is the Messiah, the Lord. What's astonishing to me is that every troubling element of that first Christmas when Jesus was born can be found in this Christmas. Let's talk about that. Think about it. Joseph and Mary were massively inconvenienced. They just were. They were completely stressed out. It's just the way it was was unfolding for them. This is not a great way to start a marriage or a family. Mary, specifically, was under a lot of pressure at this moment. I heard about this young girl who said to her mother, Mom, is it true that in some parts of India, a woman doesn't even know her husband until she marries him? And the mom replied, Honey, that happens in every country. it's true. It's true. My wife says to me, sometimes she's jokingly, she says, (laughs) I'm the first child she ever raised, right? (laughs) And it's kind of funny until I say to her, then don't get mad when I introduce you as my mother. (laughs) She's not here, so we're good. (laughs) Yeah, she's watching online, so I can't go home you see the whole reason Joseph and Mary were in even in Bethlehem in the city of David as it says was to register for a census and to pay taxes. That's not something fun to do around this time of the year, is it? I mean, who wants to travel and then pay taxes when you're nine months pregnant? Someone said to me, yeah, but that's not really that big a deal. I mean, she had transportation, right? She was, on, she was riding a donkey. And I'm like, you know what? 70 miles from Nazareth to Bethlehem, that's not something that's going to be fun. Can you imagine riding a donkey from Orlando to Tampa, right, when you're nine months pregnant? Don't tell me that was joyful, because it wasn't. And then having to flee, after the baby was born, having to flee King Herod's evil scheme, if you know anything about the birth narrative of Jesus, to slaughter every male child in the region after hearing about the birth of Jesus, all the male children under two years old to be slaughtered because he was threatened, he felt, felt like he needed to, to protect himself, King Herod did. You see, the days right before and the days right after Jesus' birth were difficult and painful days. Everyone, not just Joseph and Mary, everyone in those days inconvenienced, discomfort, bloodshed, death, poverty, sickness, oppression. Sounds a lot like today, doesn't it? No wonder there's this new thing now called a blue Christmas. And years ago, remember that song by Elvis? Some of you, uh, you probably remember that song, Blue Christmas. he's the one that made, it, I don't think he wrote it, but he might be the one that made it famous. I'll have a blue Christmas without you. I'll be so blue thinking about you. Decorations of red on a green Christmas tree. Won't be the same, dear, if you're not here with me. And when those blue snowflakes start falling and when those blue memories start calling, you'll be doing all right in your Christmas of white, but I'll have a blue, blue Christmas. There's a lot of us. Christmas is blue this year. For some of us, Christmas is blue every year because it just brings up so many difficult emotions. What is a blue Christmas, by the way? It's a space for people to grieve their losses while at the same time holding on to the reality that Jesus is the savior of the world. That's what a blue Christmas is. Grieving your losses during the holidays, but holding on to the truth that Jesus is who he says he is, that he is the savior of the world. as the verse that we read says. Some churches, in fact, even these days there, there's a new thing been out for a few years called a blue Christmas service. And they'll hold a, a service. Usually it's on the longest day, shortest night of the year, or longest night, shortest day of the year, December 21st this year, I think. Um, and they do, they do this blue Christmas uh, service. And the purpose is to integrate the full story Of Christmas. Both the joy of Jesus' birth, which is a joyous thing, of course, but then the pain of Herod's murderous rage that followed. So you have good and joy and you have very bad and painful. There's a prophet in the story of Jesus' birth named Simeon. You probably heard the name before. We read about Simeon in Luke chapter 2. That's the birth narrative of Jesus, at least one one of them. And he waited, the scripture says, his whole life to see the Messiah. His whole life. He's an old man by now. And I'm sure over the course of his whole life, he had many nights of weeping and tears as he waited. But then one day, as promised in the scriptures, joy came in the morning for Simeon. Let's take a look and see what it says. Now, there was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon who was a righteous and devout man. He was waiting for the consolation, the, 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 the restoring, the rescuing of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was upon him. And it was revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Messiah. Can you imagine having that promise given to you? You're not gonna die until you see the Lord's Messiah. Man, that's, all, all, all right, let's do it. But he waited his whole life for the Lord's Messiah to show up. And like many of us, Simeon was probably anticipating. He was hurting. He was seeing all the pain in people's lives, thinking, when is this salvation coming? There was weeping in the night, and he was waiting for the breaking of the new dawn day after day, month after month, year after year. Lord, is today the day? He's been waiting his whole life for this one moment, one moment. Maybe you're waiting right now for something. Maybe you're waiting for your marriage to get better. Maybe your child to come back home or your job situation to improve or the results of a medical test or a family member to recover. There's all kinds of things that we're waiting for. Waiting can be especially tough at Christmas time. It really can. When we're feeling the pressure to be cheerful and joyful, but we don't feel that way inside. But almost inconceivably, God has embedded something of extraordinary value in the waiting process. It sounds counterproductive, I know, but it's not. Let's take an example from nature. Think about an apple tree in the winter, it's dormant, it, it produces no fruit in the winter, but during that time, essential. Chemical processes are happening inside the tree that are critical to its producing fruit in the spring. And unless the tree goes through a season of waiting, and it won't produce anything in the spring. It's required. In the same way, there is this profound transformation happening in your life and in my life while we're waiting on God to bring back joy into our hearts after a, a death or a, or a divorce or a distant relationship. It's in this period of waiting and obeying that God reshapes us, he retools us, he transforms us emotionally, mentally, spiritually. He's preparing us for what's next. After loss, you need time to prepare for what's next. God's doing that. And it's an essential prerequisite for whatever's coming. It's required before God brings something new and joyful back into your life. See, what I'm saying here is not new. It's not new at all. In fact, it's the theme of the whole Bible. We all have endings. We all experience times of waiting. And then God always eventually brings something new into our lives. You're in one of those phases right now. Think about what God put into motion on that very first Christmas. Just think about it. There was a birth, a cross eventually, and then a resurrection. Let's break these down for just a minute. God did a new thing through Jesus' birth, a, a brand new thing. Nobody was expecting this. They didn't know when it was coming. This is like, what? There's a new thing. There's a, an announcement from angels it was so new to shepherds. God did a new thing through the birth of Christ. But that birth led to a cross. And that cross led to a a, a burial. 3 days in the tomb and then a and then a resurrection. And I want you to see there Jesus was buried for 3 days which was a period of waiting where everything looked completely hopeless to everyone. Even the disciples they, they all ran away like well, okay I guess this is over. It's hopeless and then a resurrection. Notice that even for Jesus waiting preceded resurrection. 3 days in the tomb Even for Jesus, waiting preceded the resurrection. There was a preparation time for what was about to happen in this resurrection. And for Simeon, waiting on seeing God's salvation preceded seeing the Savior. And for you and me, waiting while we hurt, even at Christmas, is where God is carefully and lovingly preparing us for the joy that comes in the morning. Here's the key to waiting. When God seems dead, he may be coming back to life, all right? And when God seems absent in your life, well, that's when he may be the closest of all. We have to remember that in the midst of our pain, God hasn't left us, he hasn't wandered away, that in the midst of our anguish, he may be the closest at all. We've got to remember that, though. And even in those times of heartbreak and and hurt, and pain, and disappointment, God is near, and he is close by. So if this Christmas is a sad one for you, choose faith over doubt, choose patience over fear, and do what the scriptures say, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and then it says all these things, joy, peace, happiness, goodness, graciousness will be added unto you. Let's take a look at what happens next in this story of Simeon. Moved by the Spirit, he went into the temple courts. And when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him what was the custom of the law required, Simeon took him in his arms and he praised him saying, Sovereign Lord, you, as you have promised, you can now dismiss your servant in peace. For I have, for my eyes have seen your salvation. So here's the fulfillment of God's promise to Simeon. He he sees with his eyes the salvation of the Lord. He says, Lord, you can take me home now. You've kept your promise. I have seen the salvation of of the Lord. You see, what's happening here is on the 40th day after Jesus was born, as was custom in those days, Mary and Joseph took Jesus to the temple. It was kind of like a baby dedication. And uh, they were dedicating him to the Lord, as was the, the tradition and the custom in those times. And you can sense the joy In Simeon's voice here, as he reacts to seeing the Savior for the very first time, he's he's overjoyed. And he says, you can take me home right now. I've seen your salvation. And my prayer today is that if you're without someone you love this Christmas for the first time or the fifth time or the 50th time, I pray that you see what Simeon sees. That's my prayer. That you see the joy of the Lord's salvation today in your life. Because it's available. No matter the pain and the hurt, whatever's going on this Christmas, no matter how difficult it seems, put your eyes on the only one who can bring peace back into your life. A couple weeks ago, I had an opportunity to speak here, and I read you a letter from a friend of mine who is in prison. His name is Anthony. Anthony used to go to church here back in the day. And uh, some things in his life went one way or the other and led him to prison. But he wrote me another letter this past week. And here's what he says. He says, the prison I am at gives us the privilege of gathering together as believers every night to take a look at the scriptures. That's wonderful. And he says, I've been leading this group. We named ourselves Kingdom Corner. And for a couple of months now, I've seen God work in the hearts of of these men. As I continue to study God's word and let his presence comfort me and his spirit lead me, I trust That you have not forgotten about me and are praying for me with the Journey family. I look forward to the day that I can serve alongside you all. Until then, have a blessed holiday season and Happy New Year, Anthony. Here's what I want to say about Anthony's letter Anthony is not where any of us want to be this Christmas. And yet, like Simeon, he has seen God's salvation. In Christ, and he rejoices even in his difficult circumstances. And that's the key to surviving the holidays, with or without your loved ones, is seeing the salvation of God in Jesus Christ. That's the key. But the story with Simeon continues. Then Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, this child is destined to cause the the falling and rising of many in Israel. And to be a sign that will be spoken against, so that the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed, and a sword will pierce your own soul. And I want to say about that wow, that turned dark pretty quick, right? I mean, whoo, Simeon took a hard left there. I can just hear Joseph saying, what? Come again? Uh, what happened to all this joy about the salvation of the Lord talk. Now we're, now, now we're talking about, you know, people falling and people rising and swords and souls and piercings. Well, you know, what's all this, what's going on? This beautiful Hallmark movie moment now just turned into like, you know, Clark Griswold's uh, Cousin Eddie Christmas kind of a thing. <laughs> Everything's going sideways. What's happening here is this. Simeon is giving a shocking glimpse into the future. It's a prophecy. And it's into what Jesus and Mary would ultimately face. I imagine from this very moment on, can you just put yourself in that place? She hears this prophecy. She doesn't know what it means. Doesn't sound great, though. And she's like, for the next 33 years, every time Jesus' birthday comes around, she's thinking, yeah, but that Simeon guy, he told me this. When is that going to happen? So there had to be a lot of heartache, a lot of hurt, a lot of unknowns, an impending loss coming. You know she felt it, right? You know she felt it. And I'm sure Mary pondered what was coming. We all know now it was a cross. That's, we know now. She didn't know then, but we know now. Someone said, unless we see the shadow of the cross falling across the crib, we're not really seeing Christmas clearly. It's true. The only reason Jesus was born was for a cross. He wasn't born just to be a cute baby that would, you know, like be lovely and everything and we'd sing about him and have pageants over his name. That's not why he was born. He was born for the cross. Unless you see that shadow of the cross lay across that crib, you're not seeing the real meaning of Christmas. The story of Simeon reminds us that Christmas is about paying attention not only to the miracle of Jesus' birth, but it's also about paying attention to the heartbreak and the painful moments we all face in this life. You can't separate the two. So as we kind of draw ourselves to a close here, I want to offer you four simple suggestions on how to survive the holidays. Make the most of your first Christmas without someone you love. These come from our grief share ministry here. It's, a, it's, a, it's tips that they offer people who are grieving uh, to get through a Christmas after a loss. Here's the first one. Take care of yourself physically, mentally, and spiritually. You just got to. Grieving drains the body em- of emotional energy and, and physical strength. And if you're feeling weary, take time to rest. Sometimes the most spiritual thing you can do for yourself is take a nap. And I see some of you are doing that right now, which is great. <clears throat> I'm glad I could help. Uh, <laughs> rest renews the body, mind, and soul. And when the tears start coming, and they will, let them flow because weeping helps healing and reduces stress. Here's the second thing. Celebrate Christmas in a simple matter. That, that first Christmas was miraculous, but it was pretty simple. I mean, let's think about it. There were, there were, there were two parents, right? A stable. There was a manger to lay Jesus in. There's probably a dim fire. And some late arriving shepherds, that's about it. That's all there was. That, that's pretty much it. This may not be the year to go all Clark Griswold on your decorations and your lights. If this is a year where you're really feeling loss and not feeling the joy. A nativity scene might just be all you need to refocus on the real meaning of Christmas. Here's the third thing. Take time to remember your loved ones. And perhaps that means going to a cemetery or placing flowers or a cross. Maybe that'll bring you comfort. Maybe it's writing a letter or an email to a distant loved one. It helps the grieving process to do something tangible, right? Many families gather around a dinner table or a, a Christmas tree and they recall stories and, um, and, and these good memories help bring healing to everyone. Maybe that's Maybe that's what your Christmas looks like this year, and if it is, that's okay. And finally, here's the last thing of, there's many more, but these four probably are the most helpful. But finally, serve others in need. Volunteer to help others in need during the holidays is a great way to take the focus off your own loss and and put that on someone else. Focusing instead on helping others is what God calls us us to do. In fact, it says in Galatians 5, 3, serve one another in love. The second Corinthians tells us too that we're to comfort one another with the comfort that we've received. It says, praise be to the God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort who comforts us in our troubles, why? So that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves have received from God. That's our mission. In July, 2014, uh, dear friends of mine, Stephen Shelley Smelsky, many of you know who they are, lost their only child, Jordan, he was 11 years old. They went on vacation to Costa Rica. He contracted an amoeba, uh, a brainy amoeba. He got back here. Within a few days, he passed. It was obviously devastating to them. And uh, that first Thanksgiving and Christmas without Jordan, Shelley told me, was almost unbearable. And I, can, I, I get it. I get it. Thankfully, though, a small group of close friends and a loving church family, and their growing trust in God's ultimate goodness helped them to survive those holidays. Today, they have redirected their lives in such a way as to honor Jordan, especially during the holidays. This is their focus. And so, 12 years ago or so, they began to open up a store because Jordan loved Christmas and he loved sporting goods. And so, they married those two things together and they start to open up a store, Jordan Smelsky Sporting Goods Store. And... Give away items to those children in need in a way of honoring their son and giving back to the community and serving others. And so this week ago, Saturday, we hosted the store here at Journey. Some of you know that. Some of you even volunteered to help, and thank you so much for that. It was the 12th annual store. And gifts and smiles were given to 1,300 children in need. 1,300. 1,300. Here's the breakdown of some of that, just in case you're interested. They gave away 448 bicycles, 340 scooters, 131 skateboards, 625 helmets, and over 1,000 other items of different sporting goods to all of these children. <clears throat> Hundreds of volunteers helped make that happen, and many of you were a part of that, so thank you for giving back. But it proves what Jesus said is true that it's more blessed to give than it is to receive. And Stephen Shelley can testify to that and so can many of you. So if this Christmas is a first for you in terms of loss and pain, or it's more intense than in past years, one of the things you can do is you can help others, you can serve others. And that really does bring healing and hope into our lives. Let me close with this illustration. There was a book called The Dance of Hope. Author's name is Bill Frey. And he tells of a blind student named John that he tutored at the University of Colorado. True story. One day Bill asked John how he had become blind, like what happened. And John describes an accident that took place when he was a teenager and the tragedy took his sight but it also took all of his hope. I mean, he had he had, he had no hope. And he told Bill he said I was bitter and I was angry and for let for God letting this this happen to me and, I took out all my anger on everyone around me. They all knew I was angry. He said, I, I felt like I had no future, I, so I chose not to lift a finger for myself. I just let everybody else wait on me. He figured, I, that's the best thing I can do. So he said, I shut my bedroom door, and I refused to come out except for meals. Well, this story surprised Bill because, obviously, there had been a change in, in, in th- that had occurred because he, he no longer showed this kind of bitterness and anger, and he... John says he traced the change back to a challenge from his father. His dad was tired of the pity party and ready for his son to get on with his life. And so he reminded the boy that winter's coming, and he wanted him to mount the storm windows around the house. And he said to him, I want you to get it done before I get home or else. John, he said he acted with anger, reacted with anger, muttering, cursing all the way to the garage. But he found the windows, found the stepladder, found the tools, went to work, and said to himself, they'll be sorry if I fall off this ladder and break my neck. But he didn't fall. And little by little, he groped his way around the house, finished the chore, mounted the windows. And the assignment achieved his dad's goal. John realized that he could do some work and he began to reconstruct his life and changes began to take place and years later he learned something else about that day not about himself but about his father and he wept as he said these words he said i later discovered that at no time during the day had my father been more than four or five feet from my side You see, his father had no intention of letting him fall. Your heavenly father has no intention of letting you fall either. What's painful today will produce joy tomorrow. That's a promise. And you might not be able to see God, but he is close by. Psalm 34 verse 18 tells us this is true. The Lord is near to the brokenhearted. You may be brokenhearted this Christmas. And if you are, this is your verse. The Lord is near to the brokenhearted, and he saves those who are crushed, who feel the weight of the emotions of this season. What a promise that is for us. So this December, if it's turning out to be a tough one for you, take comfort and be reassured that the Lord is near and that joy comes in the morning. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your goodness, your grace, your presence in our lives, and just for the opportunity we have to reflect on these truths that you haven't left us alone, that you're as close as you ever have been, and that you're near, and that we can lean on you and rely on you. And even though we may not feel the joy as intensely as we have in the past because of whatever circumstances going on in our life, we know that you love us. We know that you care for us, that you keep your promises. And so, Lord, we open our hearts up to you just now, and we say thank you. Thank you for Jesus, for his birth, for that cross, and for that resurrection, Lord. So, thank you so much. Thank you so much. I pray for those that are in this room, Lord, who might be having a tough time this Christmas. May your presence be felt in their lives, even now. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to the weekly podcast from Jordan Christian Church. If this message was a blessing to you, be sure to click the follow button and share it with your family and friends. For more information about Journey Christian Church, please go to journeychristian.com.